Today on Quest, Ellie Ringo returns to the podcast, and she's going to tell us all about the super-secret television project she's been working on for the last few months. You don't want to miss this. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and welcome to Season 3 of Quest. A quest is a search for something. And this podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. To me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. And there's still so much we don't know. There's joy in discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Hi, Ellie. Welcome back to the Quest Podcast. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me back on the show. I've wanted to get you back so early. I'm recording, for those listening, I'm recording season three right now. And uh, they're <laughs> coming out in, probably by the time you hear this, they'll already be out. But um, but the, but I wanted to get you back so like a lot earlier to record for this season. But you've been gone and you've been <laughs> hinting about this on your social media, giving little teases, little glimpses. You can't talk about it. This mysterious secret project that you're working on for seemingly the last six months. It seems like, I don't, maybe it hasn't been that long, but it seems like it's been that long. Can you tell everyone about what this was, how incredible this was, what this thing was you were working on? Yes, I totally can. And I, when I first found out about this project, it was back in May. So, I mean, yes, it seems like forever. And I've just been given the go ahead as far as, you know, contracts are concerned because you have to be aware of things and you can't say things before you have permission. And so I went to Greenland for three months and I was uh, chosen to do so to go be a geologist on a reality TV show and documentary for the Weather Channel about being the first placer mining geologist in Greenland and to go find a source of gold up there. So they chose six complete strangers from the United States and we went to Greenland of all places to go and actually look for gold. And I tell you, it was one of the most challenging things that I have done as a geologist so far, but it was very rewarding. And just everything up there was so incredibly beautiful. Like you can't take pictures of it to show people how amazing things were. And I, and I tried very, very hard. But yes, I kept teasing to people and throwing it out there that I can't wait to tell people what was going on. And, and I was so anxious and excited to, to do so. But finally, the Weather Channel gave us the go ahead uh, this last week to you know promote the show. And it premieres and airs for the first time on November 14th on the Weather Channel at 8, 7 central, which is, you know, like the Eastern time versus Arizona time for Arizona. It's like 5 p.m. for like people in New York, I guess it's like eight. Um, 
or something along those lines. Uh, since sure. we'll the, the time out. in Arizona never <laughs> changes, it's difficult. Because <laughs> um, we don't have daylight savings time in Arizona or any of the above. So it gets, uh, it gets challenging. But I'm super excited about it. Um, for the first time, uh, my mom, she texts me and she's like, are you sure it's going to be on the Weather Channel? I was like, mom, that's what they've told us. And she texts me this morning and she's like, oh my gosh. We were watching the Weather Channel because we were trying to figure it out so that we could record it because she has like Dish Network or something like that. And she's like, they were advertising your show. We can't believe you're on TV. And they said how proud they were of me. So I'm extremely excited. It's a dream come true. And that was my big project. I was freezing my butt off in Greenland for three months uh, over the summer. (laughs) Now you're back to the 100 degree weather. I was going to crack a joke that you all don't have daylight saving time and you also don't have thermometers that go below 100 degrees, right? (laughs) This is very true. That's the the future, right? (laughs) 140 degrees. That is the future, yes. (laughs) I watched a a movie the other day. I can't remember what it it was called now. It was some really terrible Hugh Jackman movie, I think. I can't remember where I watched it at, whether it was (laughs) HBO or Netflix or something. And... uh, and people only came out at night because global warming had increased the temperature on the earth so high that literally no one could go out during the day. So all activities happened in these cities at night. So oh at night, gosh. everyone was getting up. During the day, no one's around. <laughs> oh, my really gosh. Odd. I thought, well, that's that's Phoenix right there in like probably five years. Yeah, no one will be able to go outside in the summertime in Phoenix soon. It, it will be that warm. <laughs> so while we're on this kind of this uh, climate change thing, yeah. in Greenland, did you... Did you see any evidence to support climate change there? What did, what did you yeah, see? What's your interpretation? Everywhere, actually, from um, like a lot of it, I had to be like shown and told because I hadn't seen the area before. But I got to hike around with some of the locals that had been hiking there for years and, and, you know, of course, grew up there and decided to be kind of almost a tour guide or, you know, that kind of a thing. And one person in particular took me to the head of an ice sheet. And he'd said just in the past two years, two years of him, you know, going up there, the ice sheet had receded like a good 30 feet from just the top of the ground where it should have been, where he showed us this line and, you know, 30 feet down, then that's uh, like every direction you can imagine. And he said, it's amazing that you actually, I'm seeing this in real time. I'm seeing this in my lifetime. And one of the kind of crazy things that happened there for the very first time in history uh greenland received i or uh, uh received rain at their highest point and they didn't even have a way to measure the rainfall because there's nothing to measure rainfall there because it's never happened before wow. so in, in any history period the end they've never had rain there and i was like oh my gosh like this is this is my lifetime that I am seeing this, that, you know, climate change is real. Global warming is something that happens and it, there's a lot of things that play into that. And so that's one of the biggest reasons we were going up there is the ice is receding so much on the ice sheets that it's uncovering ground that no one's ever touched before. And that, uh, you know, yeah, there are ebb and flows with like ice ages and stuff like that. And it's a, a kind of a cyclical nature and people of course you know say oh well you know this long ago when you know people were first here you know they saw this and and it's like well there's no record of this you know there's 
there's no record of any of these things happening except for what we've been able to record, you know, just in the time of history books, so to speak. And it's, it's changing everywhere. And the less white stuff there is using heavy quotation marks, you know, the, the less chance the, the harmful rays from the sun can, you know, reflect back into space where they belong. And so there's a lot that's going on to help, you know, save the Arctic and, uh, you know, save the ice sheets and whatnot. And people will go on living no matter what, but if we can do little teeny tiny things, you know, here and there, it makes me feel better to do that. But, you know, I can't say that I'm going to. You, do you believe the, the, this climate change is entirely a result of humans? No, I, I believe that climate change is something that happens cyclically because of our earth, our rotation, um, our core, uh, volcanic activity. There's a lot that goes into it, but I do believe that humans play a huge role in just how wasteful that we can be and how we take things for granted very easily. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not going to jump in my car or get on a plane if I need to go somewhere, but you know, like the use of plastic, if I can reduce that, I mean, I carry just a single water bottle wherever I go. Um, but I, I have a collection of metal water bottles and I try to use like things that are plastic as little as possible. And I guess that's just an impact that I feel that I can help with. Right. And, but no, it's not all people. It's not just us. It's, it's everything. It's the entire earth is changing slowly, but you know, Greenland, some of it. Uh, Greenland mm -hmm. in particular is an, is an interesting place in kind of the, the world of global warming because that all of that ice is on land. Yes. So when we lose that ice into the oceans, that's what contributes to, to ocean level rise and potential yes. changes in the currents and kind of that whole yes. engine that works there. That's what's different about that versus say Iceland, right? What's mm -hmm. Yeah. Iceland, um, they get a lot of snow there and they have a little bit of ice, but like Iceland, they don't have snow you know that whoever played that joke of the name like everybody always says you know that was messed up but um and Iceland's beautiful I got to go there uh, during my my traveling to Greenland and see little bits and pieces of it and you know there there was an active volcano while I landed in Iceland I was just minutes away from it I couldn't go because I was under a quarantine restriction thing so that you could get tested like you know every leg of your trip and you were confined to your hotel room for the most part and just your little area and which was understandable we didn't want to get anything and you know let it right. spread anywhere so we respected that but all of those things you know contribute to our atmosphere and what happens so you know a volcanic eruption it's putting gases and, and different things in the air that also contribute to parts of global warming and so on and so forth but like Greenland's the largest island in the world um, it's not actually connected to a continental plate which was crazy and that's something that I learned before going up there I didn't know that before I went but yeah all of that ice is on land and there are some places of that ice that are you know five miles plus thick that's how thick it is I mean and people are like oh it's never going to melt it's never going to go away but as you fly over the ice sheet in Greenland you can see some of the fingerprints of global warming of these giant pools of blue water on top of the ice that shouldn't be there. And I, and I hear that what happens in, the, in some cases is, is the, that ice will crack or fissure will develop 
And that water rushes into that and then essentially lubricates the area between the ice and the rock and then causes these sheets to slide off or break apart more. Is that accurate? That is accurate, yes. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. So that fresh water influx of all of that ice and snow, yeah, that's, you know, it's something that damages, uh, it affects our coral reefs and causes, you know, all kinds of, you know, chaotic mess because the salinity in the water of the ocean is changing. Um, uh, just because of the influx of that fresh water. So in this reality show, there's a group mm -hmm. of strangers. I assume you all have different specialties. Is that right to say? Uh, yes and no. Um, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> they, they chose, I mean, I'm not exactly sure why they chose some people. Um, and those are, you know, a few conflicts within the show, but they're, all of us are prospectors. Um, Great. Awesome. Uh, the, you know, everybody has some kind of a background in prospecting for gold, of course. Um, for the show, I was the only professional miner and professional geologist that has like a background and a, and a professional job within that industry. Uh, nobody in the show besides me had ever worked in mining or geology before. Um, and so that was different. These are the people that are on the show with me. They're um, they're hobbyists. So they're, you know, they're weekend prospectors. They go out and do this for fun, like with their families and stuff like that. And sure. they become skilled in these, you know, forms of doing this throughout the years. Um, and so, you know, some of the people were absolutely brilliant and some people were a little different. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I think that it'll make for a really good show. I mean, I've seen some of the executive viewings so far so that they could let us all in on what was going on and you know how the film is looking or the the series is looking so i'm well, excited for it to come out tune in to that to see if ellie finds gold it's a 12-part series so yeah. um over over the next 12 weeks it'll it'll air and so um i yeah. was like not to spoil anything of course because i'm probably in huge trouble but the place that I actually ended up finding our gold source blew my mind. Um, and as a geologist, where I found it, it shouldn't have been there. And I was blown away. So like, as far as like studying something and like really catching on to a learning curve, I was like, holy crap. And that was exciting. And I'm sure in typical entertainment terms, any gold found is now the property of the Weather Channel. <laughs> 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 anyways weather channels listening i'm sure i just lost a sponsorship but you know <laughs> no no not at all <laughs> they, they were good to with, us with uh, climate change on the rise they're they're not going to have any lack of material to show there so no uh -uh. that'd be the only network people will be tuning into i think but <laughs> but but yeah so that's great so i'm excited for you uh, you know i you know, I've kind of maybe knew a hint of what you were doing, but you were certainly <laughs> hinting to all your fans this whole time and showing these beautiful locations on occasion and sometimes just showing, a, you know, the wall of an apartment saying I'm in an exotic location. So <laughs> but now we know and we can tune in. That's right. But I wanted to have you back because I wanted to kind of maybe get into some myth busting today. The first, yes. uh, for those who haven't listened to your first interview, we kind of just did a crash course in geology. In fact, yeah. you got me started on my first rock collection, which now I my, know that was so exciting. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and your nephew, oh and my gosh, I was so touched. Into it. Yeah, yeah, he's getting into it. And uh, 
And I, and I didn't realize how much he would get into it just so quickly. And then he subscribed to you on YouTube and he's collecting his own stuff, bought a little rock kit and I love he's, it. Uh, he's into it. So your influence is spreading. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. Your parents have been telling me, um, thanks a lot because now everywhere we go, the bottom of the floor of my car is covered with rocks we and this to, is your fault. <laughs> we need to start a little club. I'm going to have my nephew start a little club. We'll call it, I don't know, Ringo's Rangers or something. We'll come up oh, with some yeah. name. <laughs> I mean, everything with rock hounds taken. So let's go a different direction, I think. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Ellie Knows Rocks was something that, uh, you know, I came up with with Summer and, and she helped me um, develop all of my my social medias and and yeah, everything for, you know, being a rock hound or rock clubs and whatnot. Yeah, that is all taken. So if you come up with a real clever name, let me know. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get some kids out collecting rocks. That's right. For sure. Well, I've got a couple things that I wanted to kind of put in front of you um, mm -hmm. that I just want to kind of talk about whether this stuff could be real or not. There's a million artifacts and relics out there and fossils being found and, mm -hmm. and you know, <clears throat> six of one, one half dozen of another, you know, you can always find someone who wants to prove it and say, this is absolutely right. Another person will say, this is crap. And this, yes. this is not real. So I wanted to just touch on a couple of things that are, that are kind of popular and timely people are discussing. Mm -hmm. And the first one is the London hammer. And I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and, and, uh, and just kind of tell the audience what this is and they can go out yeah. and they can Google search it and find all the information they want on it. But uh, the London hammer is also known as the London artifact. And it was a name given to a hammer made of iron and wood that was found in London, Texas in 1936. Uh -huh. And part of that hammer is embedded in kind of a, a limey rock concrete, it's fossilized, whatever that might be called. And it kind of begs the question of how a man-made tool could come to be encased in rock like this. Now, there are people that say that the rock that surrounds this hammer is said to be more than 100 million years old. Uh, suggesting that the hammer was made well before humans could have made such an object um, before maybe even an object like that could have existed. And of course, the creationists mm -hmm. look at this as a pre-flood artifact, and it's mm -hmm. actually in the Creation Evidence Museum now on display. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of uh, talk about this because despite some of the, the creationist assertions that the hammer is a pre-flood relic, there's really no clear evidence linking the hammer to any ancient um, formation, really. It's like there's no really any science and they're not really mm -hmm. willing to turn it over to scientists to really examine it more thoroughly. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some people, so, like, so a lot of the skeptics mainly talk about its artistic style and its condition, the condition of the handle specifically, suggesting mm -hmm. that it's maybe more historically recent. So mm -hmm. I wanted to take this to you because I know you go out to mines and looking around for things all the time. And I imagine you probably found coins or, or nails or something probably encased in some kind of rock. And I wanted to ask you yeah. how this can happen. Is this possible? Could this be a hundred million years old? It, is there, is it plausible <laughs> that it could be a pre-flood relic? Is that even possible at all in the realm of possibility? Or is this something that's maybe more recent that some, something's happened, some form of pressure and mineral has made this what it is. You tell me, what do you think? Well, um, I'll break this down into a couple different parts. Um, first off, I, I wanna state, I'm, I'm definitely not an archeologist, but I do have a well-rounded knowledge of archeology span and such. Um, and so as far as, you know, 
when the artifact was done and, and in what shape it was, I, I couldn't attest to anything that was, you know, going to really give good insight. However, um, the, the second part, you know, thinking about rocks, if people are going to say, you know, this specific rock or whatever is a hundred million years old, we're just going to leave that as our basis. Um, if I'm going to step back and go to a sandstone. Sandstone is made up of little teeny tiny bits of quartz and feldspar, which weathered off of another rock. And, you know, they were ground down and, you know, through the weathering process, they were turned into little teeny tiny bits and grains of sand. And then over time, wherever they landed, they created these layers of sandstone. So through any form of, you know, pressure and usually, you know, water in some form of a concrete material usually it was a silicate sometimes a calcite base sometimes it was a clay base but that made up these sandstones that sandstone is given a specific age correct and that age comes from when that sandstone was or when the grains of sand are dated so it's going to kind of have two different ages one it's going to have the age of the grains of sand which are much older than the actual sandstone itself, because it took however many thousands of years for those grains of sand to become grains of sand. And then it took another X amount of years for that sandstone to become an actual sandstone. So the age of a rock and the age of a formation are two completely different things as far as I'm concerned. Um, just because the dating of a specific mineral, again, is going to be far older in a conglomerate or a sandstone or a concretion type material, like we're talking about, than the actual formation itself. Right. So if they're saying that, you know, this is dated back to all of these ages, then the particular material they're testing might be that old. However, if weathering processes happen and that material has been dug up or moved or weathered into a different area, and then re-solidified, that gives it a completely different age. And if you think about mudstone or even just mud itself, if you go outside when you were a kid and you played with a bunch of mud and you know you made a mud pie, say you stuffed a rock in the middle or a stick like I used to do, you know, put a little flag on it, whatever you would do with it, that mud becomes solid, right? Right. As soon as the the water evaporates and all of the mud and whatnot solidifies together. Yes, yeah, some of that to make up mud is an organic material because of dirt, but most of it is sand and, and clays and the likes thereof. It re-solidifies into something that is hard. It doesn't negate the fact that the material in there is a specific age, but I just made that mud pie yesterday. But right. those grains came from somewhere else that are thousands upon hundreds of thousands of years old. So right. that's where I start to think about this, um, like limey concretions or even sandstone concretions. You know, they can be uh, a thousand to a hundred thousand years old. And it all depends on like what happens. Say if you're finding something in a riverbed and all of this, you know, sand and stuff is pushed down and a certain amount of clay comes in or calcite or even a gypsum based something and gypsum, it can only take, you know, a few years and you have a crystal of, you know, say a gypsum rose that forms in the desert uh, just because it's, it's an evaporite. And as soon as enough water is gone away and enough oxygen is there to make whatever minerals in it oxidize, 
whatever you have a gypsum rose and it's beautiful it only takes a couple years and yeah. so when you're making something like that kind of a limey concretion depending on what the constituents were that kept it together it doesn't have to actually be that old and so I understand the people are like, oh, this is so old. And I think that those are the people that are more on the side of maybe a greater conspiracy saying that since we've found this in this type of material for the laymen that don't know how to break that down, they're going to instantly fall into that category of saying, oh, wow, this is such an ancient artifact and, and on and on. And I'm not to say how old the artifact actually is, sure. but it doesn't mean that the rock is going to be, you know, dating back to you know, before man yeah. was even around. And so I'm sure there's people out there that are saying, oh my gosh, it's alien <laughs> right. or, you know, something like that, of which, course. you know, to say that it could be, who knows, but if they're trying to say that it was early man or, you know, ancient man, yeah, it, you know, it, it could very well be. And now, it just. Now you mm -hmm. saw that you, I sent you some links to it. You saw pictures of it. So mm -hmm. you, you've seen what it looks like. Yeah. Could does it look does it look like it would have been found naturally like that? Would this be something that someone cre could create a hoax with? Could you hoax that today? Yes, you could. Hands so down. you could replicate that. Yeah. Okay. Is, if you had, say, you had an ancient tool that was indeed found in a certain era or you know whatever. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm blanking out of whatever even time frame to use, but if you wanted could, to create could, something could I put like my, that, let me ask you this: Could I put my iPhone? in something that would make it look like that and then tell everyone yes. iPhones were around 100 million years ago. <laughs> yep, you could. <laughs> Hands down, that that would totally, totally be viable. Um, and, de it, and depending on what lab I got to analyze the silica that was in it, I could get 100 million year. <laughs> I could produce <laughs> pretty much any results I'd want, right? Yep, depending on the <laughs> minerals that you used and the type of material you used to you know, squish it all together. To make a concretion yes you could say that iphones were 100 million years old i don't know if anyone in 1936 was thinking along the lines of hoaxes like this maybe they were i don't know how far back hoaxes go or you know what people were doing to get a particular point across um there's, there's not a lot of history behind the family that found it um i would say they probably weren't going for a hoax honestly i mean the the area in which it found um, has a lot of different limestones there. And yes, limestone is old, um, but a limey concretion, it, it simply states that it was a reformation of the limestone that was there. So the limestone or the constituents of the limestone weathered out and then they reformed to just something that was re-solidified. Sure. Uh, and, 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 and again, and maybe I missed this in what you said a minute ago, but how quickly could that happen? Would, it, would that hammer have had to have been there for a decade to become that, or could it have happened in a few days? Um, I would say, uh, I would say if left out there kind of in nature to do its thing, that would have to be, I'm, 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 I'm honestly trying to give it, you know, a good, a good think on it, but I'd say no less than a couple hundred years really? for, yeah, for, yeah. for things to form very well. Um, and, and, and so and it, let's talk about the wood handle. Mm -hmm. How would the wood handle be affected by this? Well, depending on how it was buried, because once something is buried, um, 
like volcanics are, are the best example, but this isn't volcanic, but uh, if any form of sand or the like thereof is pushed onto the wood handle and, and you know, at giving it the least amount of oxygen possible, depending on how deep it was, I don't know um, how it was uncovered and whatnot and, and that kind of thing, but wood can actually withstand a lot. And as long as it's not out in the sunshine and it's not constantly getting water on it, wood can last for a very, very long time. Wow. And would it, would it petrify? Uh, well, wood will petrify. Um, and, and in that case, I mean, that takes a, an extreme amount of time and a, a totally different amount of like infrastructure of the type of minerals. However, um, I do believe there are limestone petrifications of things, which is a lot of calcite based minerals that can overtake any of the organics or replace the organics basically. But that process would have been extreme. And I think very, very evident in the, the relic that was found. And I definitely want to get into kind of petrification a little later in the interview, but to sum up the London hammer mm -hmm. in your expert opinion, it's, mm -hmm. is it something from recent history? Um, I'd can say, you say it without was... handling it. <laughs> I did actually putting my hands on it would give me a, a better example other than just, you know, pictures in an article, but I would definitely say that this was something that was extremely primitive. And I, I honestly would think that it was buried uh, for probably, you know, more than a couple centuries before it was found. But possibly as far back as the 4,000 year to 7,500 7, year mark where the great flood narrative might have occurred. Could it predate that? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So the creationists might have something with this, but it probably isn't 100 million years old. No, 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 okay. not, not even. All right. Now, at that point, like the whole thing would have been changed um, and there would be no wood left at that point. It would all be mineralized. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, great. That's perfect. I, I love this conversation. I totally <laughs> wanted to get something out of you where this would go, because now we leave it to the audience to decide. Go out. Maybe go to the Creationist Museum. See it for yourself. You know, yeah. <laughs> research it. Research you know? it. Look into yeah. it. I want to move into something else. So I really appreciate you, uh, you, you talking about uh, the London Hammer with me, Ellie. That's uh, that's incredible. But let's go on to another one, and let's see if we can bust the next myth. So this one is about footprint fossils. So, oh. so most recently, a set of human footprints were uncovered by researchers in White Sands National Park, and according uh -huh. to a new study, these tracks date to between twenty-one thousand to twenty-three thousand years ago, and it's uh -huh. a time when uh, massive ice sheets are believed to have blocked human migration into the Americas. So this is actually a really important find, kind of uh -huh. taking it back further than we've ever found of humankind in the Americas. And uh -huh. we've seen dinosaur footprints and there's other uh, occurrences of human footprints around the world, but it is rare, very uh -huh. rare. Uh -huh. So I wanna know, because for, for me, I think about this. I think about this in a couple of ways, right? I think about, you know, when I've left a footprint in a mud puddle, somewhere and in two days it's gone and and then I think about people putting their handprints in cement 
and mm-hmm. I still see it in the cement 50 years later, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like, well, you know, what's, I don't know what's going on here. So for mm-hmm. one, I'm wondering, you know, how does this happen? Um, I sent you a link to some of the pictures of that. I think National Geographic had some great pictures of it. Mm-hmm. How did these stay there? How did erosion not make all this go away? How did a footprint not fill in with other kind of sediment? How did this, how did this exist for all this time? How is this possible? Ellie, yeah, tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. The pressure is really high right now. Um, <laughs> so, I got I to gotta believe in these human footprints. <laughs> you got to believe in them. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not going to say they're not human footprints. I mean, if you look at them, you can clearly see that whoever they were, they were extremely flat-footed. And I bet they had some massive like plantar fasciitis going on with their feet. <laughs> However, if you look at just the weird extension of the way their foot was formed, you can tell that they are, you know, not modern man in any way. You know, if people want to say for, you know, divine evolution, creation, however you're going to put it, the, the way that their, you know, their toes or phalanges, whatever you'd like to call them, are very distal. And then you have just a very sharp protrusion of whatever the, um, like the ball of your foot is. I don't know what that little area is called, but it's very, very distinct footprints that are not at all from anything that we know of today or, you know, in our history books, as far as when people were here in the United States, as far as there being like ice sheets and stuff, when they say, oh, that, you know, ice sheets covered this and that. Well, sure. Ice sheets may have covered things, but ice also created land bridges. Right. And so the, the people that are saying, um, you know, if we go way far back, you know, talking about the very beginning, you know, we talk about, excuse me, how the earth is, you know, 4.2 billion years old. And during that time, we were Pangea. And, you know, people can look this up to look at the, the shape of it. And, you know, you, if you get a really cool website, you can go to one where you can draw the timeline back and forth so that you can see the breakup of Pangea and how all of the continents split. And you can see the continental, you know, shelves and all of the faults and everything that pushed us and pulled us apart right. to make us what we are today over, you know, you know, a billion years it took for it to sp- spread apart or whatever they're going to say. I, I'm not very good with remembering exact dates of things so you know don't don't hold that against me but well during when we're talking about billions of years does it really matter if you're off by a couple hundred million i don't (laughs) think so at least i hope not i don't think we're looking for exact dates when we're talking about stuff that'll i can't even fathom i talked about this before we started recording today but i can't even fathom numbers that big I have a lot of trouble when people tell me something's a hundred million years like we don't even remember stuff from 200 years old from 200 years ago you know i know like it's crazy that like we don't even like you were saying with there was no record of it ever raining in Greenland. Well, yep. n- you know, not since we've been able to write as humans, but maybe someone somewhere. So it's hard yeah. for me to always look at these big dates like this. I have that's one of my biggest problems in my research is looking at the big dates. I but agree. To me, to me, it's a throwaway answer. Oh, well, it's a billion years old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, oh, it's a billion <laughs> light years away. I can't even understand a billion light years away. I don't know. You like show me on my road what 500 feet is, and then tell me what like because I don't get it. Like, yes, you know, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I agree. The brain can't comprehend that. Human brains can't comprehend that, and I feel like that's always a good throwaway answer for scientists that don't have a real answer or real explanation. He says, "I just don't, don't, don't." Uh, 
just don't uh, don't overthink it it's just it's that way it's this fast it's that old it's this you know because yes. they give you something you can never mathematically actually really figure out and you can never actually go there or go back in time or go out there to get to it you know what i mean uh -huh. <laughs> anyways totally rant, rant over <laughs> let's let's go back <laughs> to footprints very good rant though so um ice bridges were have been a thing in you know huge ice ages and if you look you know continents have been bridged through ice ages and so to say that you know it was before people could be here or before any uh any people were known in the united states and and stuff like that or in the north americas or south americas broader terms are better um that there's not to say that there weren't little bits and pieces of area that was exposed of wet areas that were exposed now going back to talking about concrete yes you can you know concrete as i believe we talked about before in our first episode it's a man-made rock essentially yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it is made up of everything that is a hundred to a million years old and um you know if you're talking about mixing rocks some of them are 100 years old some or a hundred million years old some of them are a million years old you know and so on and so forth to make concrete or even stucco or you know whatever it is it's little bits and pieces of things that were from the earth that we just figured out if we mold this together with water oh my gosh we have a whole brand new thing and okay, it's been so like i'm going to stop you for one second because i just yes. want to say this i just want to make this comment and you can tell me if yeah. this is accurate when when humans are extinct in the next hundred years, <clears throat> um, uh <-huh. laughs> and uh, and in uh, you know a UFO lands and uh, comes down and looks around at everything that we built because we're no longer here, and they uh -huh. find you know a couple of kid handprints in a sidewalk, you know with their name Luca above it or whatever you know, and uh -huh. uh, and they analyze it. Are they going to say, "Wow, this was made a hundred million years ago"? quite These possibly lived on this planet a hundred million years ago yeah i mean you know <laughs> i just want to be clear that we could be a hundred million years old to someone in a hundred years you know you know that i don't i don't find that as far-fetched i think as some people will and just because yeah the concrete even though there are things where you you would be able to date when the rock was you know gotten wet or um when it was formed and, and how long it was when it was hardened and that kind of thing there are ways to you know date all of that but essentially the rocks that make up the concrete and the sand or whatnot is that old so if they wanted to go there they oh my gosh you know that yeah we could be ancient to aliens in a couple hundred years yeah okay <laughs> well i just wanted to make sure because this again as i was saying in my conspiracy theory about ages of things you could interpret <laughs> a 20 year old handprint in concrete as something that's 100 million years old depending on you know what other material i guess whatever other evidence there was around there to support it because you know yeah exactly it's uh, so well, it's fascinating hopefully, hopefully brains the kids are exploding out there with my audience right now brains are exploding <laughs> <laughs> don't kill us please don't hurt us we're just having a conversation <laughs> but anyway i didn't mean to interrupt you but i just wanted to figure <laughs> out you know if that was possible well, yeah, exactly. And so the theory goes back to like, say if um, I have been, because as a kid, I did all kinds of little experiments, like just for myself, because I didn't know what I was doing. It was just fun. I didn't know that it was an experiment, you know, quote sure. unquote. Um, and so I would, yeah, 
I'd push my hand into a mud pie or into next to a puddle to see how long it would stay there and see, you know, how hard it would get and how it would, um, you know, solidify and that kind of thing. And the last a week, it might last longer, you know, depending on who was there and who was going to disrupt it. So, you know, say that there was some kind of a rock. I don't remember the type of rock or stone uh, that they said that these footprints were in. I mean, obviously it was a, some kind of a, you know, a wet sedimentary rock at the time in order to have obtained their footprints. Right. I just don't remember what it was. But again, if that was just there and, you know, solidified slowly, sure, that can happen. And, you know, you go back to, I'm bouncing around in my brain right now. So I'm, if I sound dodgy and foggy, I apologize. But the really, really old dinosaur tracks that they find, like in sandstones, you know, before the sandstone was actually solidified. Right. A lot of those get filled up with mud and, you know, rocks roll over them. And it's only until somebody starts thinking about the area to try to discover something or say a big windstorm comes up and blows away the sand or, you know, the rain comes and the mud gets pushed out of these areas. That's how I feel that, you know, a lot of these things are found is one by accident but two because somebody just was like i'm going to research this area because of you know x y and z and they end up finding some crazy thing that they didn't even think was going to happen and to say if they were there if they were you know 21,000 years old i think that's what they're saying yeah i'm i would not put it past it i wouldn't say that that couldn't happen um and when things, uh, let's say the, the footprint happened and then whatever material that was relatively quickly froze because it was an ice age, right? So the wind, the weather's constantly changing, but maybe on the particular week or whatever that the people were migrating across that area, maybe for some reason, nothing was going on and maybe it did freeze. And after freezing solidification started to set in over, you know, X amount of years because yes, sandstones things are concretions um mudstones and things like that they don't take as long to form say as like you know a plutonic granite or something like that which is right. you know hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of years old that it takes to solidify and then push through the earth blah 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 but these softer materials that yeah could accept a footprint and and the way that it was there i would have to say probably stayed there because it froze and then solidification set in and then maybe it was covered with snow for you know who the heck knows how long and then mud and water and it was just happenstance that people are like holy crap you know that looks like a toe i should clean that out and, and then found a footprint i'm sure that the person that found it was like holy crap because i guarantee it wasn't that clean when they found it yeah um, so i have a couple other kind of side questions with that um you bet so I guess the first thing I'm wondering is how they're getting these ages, mm. you know, because again, <laughs> yeah. we're talking about how things are aged and how they're putting. So just kind of a little bit of the, you, you know, when humans populated the Americas has always been debated. Yes. Um, and a lot of people think it occurred no earlier than about 13,000 years ago, but these oh. discoveries have happened all over. So for instance, yes. um, in Chile, 
they found some that are they believe are 18,500 years old. There's a site in Texas that's around 20,000 years old. There's different mm -hmm. places where they've found other types of human, you know, activity or footprints or, or whatnot. Yeah. So where are they getting these ages from? So <clears throat> without, without any organic material, uh, which is they only have stone. So, you know, every, I guess this is more of the difficult part. All of the rocks being dated have a certain half-life. And so, and that's how they get these certain ages of rocks and so on and so forth. But the actual age of them uh, could have been deduced because of the shape of the specific footprint and tracing that back to any form of a footprint that looked the same that they've seen in other areas so or they may you be know, dating this based on early man more than the ages yeah, of the rock because if they were dating it based on the ages of the rock like like the london hammer you know they're thinking it's super super old or whatever and saying that the rock that it's in is you know a hundred thousand years old or whatever it was that they were saying um that that's incorrect you know the the minerals within the rock that formed might be that old but it doesn't mean that that rock didn't re-solidify into something else to be a younger actual rock with older minerals in it sure am, do, am i are you following does it make yeah. sense oh yeah, yeah yeah okay so you know like with the footprints i would say that if they're dating the rock, then they're saying that, you know, the people were here, you know, a billion years ago. I'm that broad blanket statement, you know, uh, because if they wanted to say it like that, you know, they're going to say, oh, man was here, you know, a couple hundred thousand years ago. And it's like, mm, yeah, yeah be, there wouldn't be much other corroborating evidence to support that with it that's out there. But let yeah. me ask you, let me ask you another question. What does that yeah. say? So, you know, the the uh, the Southwest is kind of your territory. Uh -huh. And the it, at White Sands at that national park, are uh -huh. what are we looking at twenty thousand years ago in White Sands? Was how did they make the footprints to begin with? I mean, isn't this all number one? A footprint wouldn't stay in the sand, isn't it? Rocky and deserty, and was it like that then? What actually was able to allow them to make the footprint in the first place? And why aren't we seeing so, more than just? Why are there only two sets? So yeah, that, that is funny. That, that is what is bothersome is that they haven't found like a whole herd of footprints, which is weird. Right. Yeah. And that, that's they step what in a puddle. Me... Is that all they did? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that what happened? Was it, did they step in something that, you know, caused it to stay there? So, um, white sands, New Mexico is actually, um, an area kind of like the, um, the, the salt flats outside of Salt Lake city. There's no salt there. Um, if there is, there's micro amounts, but that's what they call it. Um, it's gypsum crystals. And so a lot of those deserty areas like that have a ton of surface gypsum. So the, if you get it wet, you know, it, it turns into this very kind of a slick sort of a layer, especially because there are clays out there also. There's, um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's smectite or kaolinite type of clay, but basically it's weathered down feldspars that have come out of the mountains surrounding these areas and have blown into these flatter spots. But because the, the gypsum is an evaporite and because, you know, these areas do get covered with a ton of water, 
at any given time, depending on rainfall and whatnot. It doesn't really absorb into the ground because it's all clay. Clay uh. will only absorb a certain amount of water before it's completely saturated. And then you just have a slick layer. That's why driving in areas that that have a lot of clay when you're four wheeling, if it starts to rain, you get the crap out of there real fast. Otherwise you're going to get stuck. Right. And, and so these areas have that sort of formation. So when, when it gets wet and it slowly starts to dry, you know, you've seen like the pictures of the big cracks in the desert, you know, because of the clays and whatnot after a rainstorm. Well, if you put a footprint in there and, and that footprint is allowed to solidify or stay whole for whatever reason, because that's what baffles my mind, why they find dinosaur footprints on top of sandstones. I'm like, why didn't that go away? Like what kept it there completely? So there had to have been some, at least to me, I think some kind of a fast weather change, whether it froze or dry up or something happened because it definitely didn't rain. Otherwise I do believe those footprints would have been completely gone. There's also to say that if it wasn't very deep clay layer or gypsum type of cement that once they stepped into it, it might've been hella deep and it slowly eroded away to what it is. That's a less uh-huh. theory. I, it's, I don't buy into that as much as I would buy into stepping onto something that was like a mud puddle and then vast weather change. And then it started to solidify in its own way. And uh-huh. so there's, there's so many theories that can be behind this. And I think this is why like scientists have a hard time of saying, well, this is the exact one thing that happened because they don't know. So you, you have to go in theories and you have to try to prove a point by disproving a bunch of other points. And, you know, in your, in your expert opinion, Mm -hmm. I think what you, I would, I want to know, you know, what you think about it. It's definitely not someone who went out and did this last week because the foot, the foot doesn't really match a current human being. No. What do you think this is? What's Ellie think? I think that there was definitely more bridges that that were you know not not land bridges but ice bridges that brought people things or whatever over to the area a lot earlier than most people think and I do believe that you know if people were walking through that they're going to leave footprints and they're going to leave tracks in some way or another and I guarantee that that's not all they've found I'm sure they've found other artifacts and things out there that maybe they haven't released yet and papers and they're trying to get some kind of dating on the the part that is hard for me to completely buy into is the exact age um, of the way that they're saying this and and I think that they're dating it because of the way that the footprint looks the shape of it if you go back and it, and look you, at everything are you found. thinking younger or older no I'm I'm indifferent to the thinking it's younger or older to be honest I do probably think that it is younger Honestly, if I dig down deep, then then they're saying, but I I also haven't been there to to see that, and I haven't you know been able to uh, sure. test anything for myself. So that that those parts are really difficult when you're just weighing in on a subject that you've read about or that you know you've studied lightly. I understand the rock portion, but right. the and, and I don't think. You- one yeah. other question kind of about white sand. So I don't know if this exists, whether there's people out there in the meteorological world or climate speculation world or whatever, but 
dude, are there people that look back at an area like that and say, what, what was the White Sands National Park like 20,000 years ago? Is it at all like what we see today? Oh, yeah, I'm sure of it. And, um, and honestly, if you think about the time um, or a time frame, again, like blowing your mind sort of thing, thinking back to, you know, 4 billion years ago, um, what things looked like then versus 20,000 years ago. Yeah. 20,000 years is the blink of an eye in comparison to the 4.2 billion years ago that they're, that, you know, we say that the earth is old. Yeah. So 20,000 years is nothing. I mean, I've, I have found, um, like artifacts and things like that from natives and, you know, very, you know, primitive people, uh, in California. And I take them to get them dated. And, um, some of them are upwards of 15,000 years old. And so, and then that doesn't really, you know, blow my mind. I'm like, wow, then these were like the first of their kind to be here making a tool in this area and I find it fascinating so to say that people were here 5,000 years before those particular people um I I don't I don't find it far-fetched it's I I think it's it's it's, it's interesting to be in places where I I understand and know this was a you know a dry river bottom or this was a dry lake bed uh-huh. Some things you can really kind of decipher that way. And then you think, yes, back, go back 8,000 years ago and you think, well, where you see the pyramids, where you're at in Egypt, this was lush yeah. and tropical with palm trees. Yeah. And, like, you know, and it's yeah. crazy just in actually relatively short amount of times, there can be drastic changes in what the environment looks like. So I'm yeah. curious, you know, because you, you have to think about that too, is why these footprints that clearly, obviously must have just been up a mud puddle or something because we don't have a a bunch of tracks we don't have a, them walking in a certain direction in this uh-huh. area which would be very difficult for, for people to survive in today uh-huh. <laughs> it had yeah. to have been a different type of environment you know yes exactly yeah well anyways that so that's fascinating i really appreciate you kind of going into that deep <laughs> into the pool with me on that one i really appreciate all your input on it so no i got one more do we have time for one more yeah sure all right so this one is probably the one where we're really not going to have any real specific answers, but I just really, really want to open it up for debate. And this is about dinosaur fossil organic matter, which is kind yes. of a big thing people are talking about now. Mm-hmm. And uh, paleontologists are finding more and more organic material in dinosaur fossils with as much detail as being able to see even the smallest cellular structures of it. And yeah. I wanted to kind of dig into this a little bit because... Um, you know, there's a lot of ways in which the conspiracies unfold with this kind of thing. Some people saying we're very close to a real Jurassic Park because we're going to get the DNA from these things and we're going <laughs> to, you know, and there's other people saying, uh, especially in the scientific community, quite very much questioning the dating process of things like this, being that organic mm-hmm. material shouldn't be existing in things that may be 100 to 400 million years old, that yeah. this shouldn't even be there at all. So I want to kind of go to the basics first and Uh generally speaking a fossil is really an impression of a prehistoric organism and it's really kind of preserved in a petrified form and I might not be saying that exactly correct and you can tell the real answer but I want to talk about the petrification part of this and that process Uh of what happens to the 
organic matter or maybe what these people might be finding. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, well, like petrification and solidification of uh, organic material is actually awesome to me just because petrified wood is my favorite mineral and it's also my favorite fossil. And it, it took people, I think, a while to realize that petrified wood was a fossil and you know just in like when you tell people in general they're like oh no that's not a fossil it's a rock it's like mm -mm. <laughs> it's definitely not just just this yeah. think about it and so if you go back to thinking about how these things get preserved and even you know this covers both petrified wood and dinosaur bones and other fossils a lot of this happens because of volcanic activity um so any form of volcanic ash or, um, you know, volcanic silica, basically ash is, volcanic ash is silica based. And so it's very, very, very fine little particles. And when it covers something, it completely immediately voids it of all oxygen and anything surrounding. So it has, it preserves it instantly. Yeah. And yeah. that, form of preservation of you know like a, a carcass for of a dinosaur or something like that you know is going to preserve whatever's there as best it can and so slowly the process of petrification through silicification starts to happen and basically that means that an organic material is being uh solidified or replaced with silicate based minerals and uh, you know a lot of oxides come into this but there's no oxygen that is getting to this matter and the only thing that is getting to this organic material is you know mineral enriched fluid that either has come up from the bottom of the ground depending on the area or is going through the ground that has now covered it and is picking up all the minerals and then you know depositing them in these areas so for things like petrified wood, they have even deduced cellular structures of different pieces of petrified wood, uh, depending on where they were and what type of, you know, petrification happened and how quickly. And again, that all just depends on the environment. So if that is happening to, you know, a dinosaur, the same thing is, you know, very, very possible. The entire structures of the whole thing is going to be um, um, solidified and replaced with that silicate material. So if, if they're finding matter that they can date or look at and, and see, that's amazing. It does, however, baffle my mind though, that a cellular structure, as far as like, uh, um, staining or actually being able to viably see is the age that it is just because yeah if you think about these processes that happen i mean it takes so long for petrification of something to happen and for them to find cellular material that can you know actually produce um how old the chromosome is that that's insane and so if they do start to do this then yeah i, I imagine they're going to want to the, look the at these areas more in order to find DNA strands and to see, but you know, DNA is not supposed to live that long. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
I think one of the most uh, the most current finds was that of cartilage. The finding yeah, 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 that's right. Cartilage. And uh, so there are more and more things are being found. And that's why a lot of you hear a lot of particularly people in the medical community working as scientists that are talking about, wait a second now, you're getting into things that really can't be lasting this long. And, yeah. and their approach is, well, maybe this stuff isn't as old as we've always said it was. Mm -hmm. I, I, something you said it was very interesting to me is with the volcanic ash theory. I want to mm -hmm. take, take this into a couple of different places. You so bet. for one, I mean, yeah, okay, I get that, volcanic ash, but we don't have volcanoes over the entire planet. So that's a very specific occurrence of volcanic ash might encase something. And even mm -hmm. then, I, I'm very curious about this too. Let's let's maybe address like uh, Vesuvius and Pompeii. Okay. I've never been there. Always wanted to go there. It's on my bucket list of Same. places to go. So we, there you see people doing the last things they did in life, <laughs> essentially yes. dying at the dinner table and sleeping in bed and shit. Like this is crazy to me to see this. Yeah. And I understand that a lot of the stuff the tourists see are now like plaster cast versions of things that were yeah. there. But let's yeah. talk about these cases. Now, um, in most cases, uh -huh. they had to dig down into Pompeii to find the town. It was covered yep. in ash, right? So there yep. was no air. I uh -uh. mean, and I've, I've had, like, I've got a little vial of volcanic ash from, um, from Mount St. Helens. And oh, you awesome. definitely can tell, uh, you know, the, can, how fine it is. Like, you definitely yes. would not want to breathe that in. You are dead. You know? yes, <laughs> like, it, it would cut your lungs to pieces. Yes. It, yeah. So, like, very dangerous. This ash is like, mm -hmm really like you can't really imagine volcano movies don't even do it justice it's like no not a newspaper and stuff coming down it's like <laughs> <laughs> they no. never get it right you know um but it's very very powdery so powdery you know okay. and uh so i get it so that whole that whole situation what you're talking about makes perfect sense to me in those cases yeah. i i do question what's happening with their bodies when they're dead i mean uh, is it aren't there gases that are reacting and causing your body to swell or, or decompose or whatever and rigor mortis and all these other things I can't fathom would be that would uh -huh. be happening you know uh -huh. like uh bodies in water for too long essentially are swelling up and exploding you know exactly are, so I, I'm always curious what we're getting from these situations but with these dinosaurs not all of them were found in volcanic regions uh -huh. uh, but there's always the asteroid theory that, you know, put stuff in the air. I, just, uh -huh. I don't know if that asteroid, that explosion theory uh -huh. would deliver the same results as volcanic ash or would it? Do you want to address any of these many things I just went on? Yes, I totally will. Let's, we'll talk about the decaying body first. And uh, so when uh, like things like rigor mortis, or decay, or you know, people turning into mush happens. The reason that that is happening is because their bodies are exposed to oxygen. Gotcha. And gotcha. so oxygen is allowing the gases to continue to form and and all of this. So yes, the body explodes and, and decomposes. And so because all of these gases are allowed to be there just because of oxidation, essentially. So when ash covers something, that process stops and immediate preservation happens because the body has no more oxygen in order to allow those gases to be produced anymore. And, and that's um, like, you know, again, with the, I'm going back to like a petrified forest or something like that. 
the trees were so perfectly preserved that you can count the rings inside of certain petrified trees because they were instantly preserved. No oxygen allowed the wood to decay and, and turn into mush. Like when you're walking through a forest and you know you have all this organic material that's slowly turning into soil under your feet because oxygen and water and all of that stuff is getting to it and allows it to oxidize and decompose. So right. with the bodies of Pompeii and stuff like that, the reason that they found them in their absolute state and still like that is because of the lack of oxygen that the ash basically concealed them immediately preserving them and, and entombing them basically wow wow and and so that's those processes and so for that to happen um if you take uh crater lake oregon the ash layer from crater lake oregon after you know that the volcano exploded and created the giant crater the ash layer can be found in pretty thick quantities down in Pyramid Lake in Nevada, which is a really long ways away because I was in a class, we were doing a study on a soil peat on out by Pyramid Lake where a giant cut was made in the alluvial fan that was there. Uh, it was about 10 feet deep and you could count these beautifully preserved layers and two of them were ash layers. And one of them was from a volcano that was just so freaking far away i mean the ash that can come from these giant volcanic eruptions it, it it travels for miles and miles and so anything in those areas that would have been large enough to have been affected if it was closer to the volcano is just completely covered and so therefore preserving it almost instantly and um back before you know <laughs> man set foot on the earth and started doing everything we're doing back in the era of the dinosaurs there was extreme amounts of volcanic activity and um through all over the parts of the earth far more volcanic activity than we have now just due to plate shifting and you know it, everything that happens naturally sure. and so and yeah there are a lot of dinosaurs that you know uh mudslides giant mudslides have happened or um you know landslides or ice ages or things like that but because of these things it's because there's an instant void of oxygen and so it allows them to be preserved wow that's exciting <laughs> i'm gonna have I, to take I, you to, to pompeii with me so <laughs> well i i really love um i don't know i'm a nerd so and you already know that and, and i hope that your viewers know that too <laughs> but i i love the you know the things that have been petrified and fossils and stuff like that and so you know knowing just a little bit about them i can go on just in, on a tangent almost for just the little parts and pieces that i know of it and you know so the so the mystery here as we start to begin to wrap up the podcast the mystery yeah. here is whether any of this organic material could really actually survive and, and yeah. survive and how old it would be and that's the mm -hmm. $20 million dollar question here right well, I, I'm thinking that somewhere along the lines, you know, if this is the way that the science community is going, I believe that we've misdated a lot of stuff. Is it plausible yeah. the dinosaurs were here just 40,000 years ago? I want to say yes. No, but the woolly mammoth was really kind of a dinosaur in a way, and it was here in recent history. Oh, heck yeah. 
so yeah and they find them fully preserved in the ice you know yeah. and, and you know they've found you know what like living dna almost of a couple different things that they've found recently i can't remember anything off the top of my head but and so that that part is possible and and if you think about dinosaurs you know they they claim that like alligators and crocodiles are dinosaurs that just never evolved yeah and yeah. or that didn't go i know extinct. some people that never evolved <laughs> i do too i totally totally do oh my gosh people you're going to see some people that never evolved on her weather channel show coming up so tune in <laughs> that is very very true and believe me you'll know who they are very <laughs> but on that on that note so i'm really i'm so proud of you for the tv show i can't wait to Thank start you. watching it everyone tune into that um and ellie how do people find you out there in the interwebs tell everyone your social media and all that good stuff again if people want to find me on the interwebs, um, my rock stuff is all at Ellie Knows Rocks. And so I'm every social media you can think of, that is definitely my handle, including my webpage and YouTube. And then TikTok, if they want to find me, TikTok, I think, yeah. oh, definitely on TikTok. Yeah, that I'm a huge fan of TikTok and that's Ellie Knows Rocks. And then um, you can also find me at Ellie Ringo. And so I'm, I'm all over the place and, you know, I am starting my dynasty of all kinds of stuff. <laughs> sure, of course. And Ringo's Rangers, we're going to be starting that soon. So that's right. Tons <laughs> of those little kids just grabbing those rocks and that's their right. That's off. what we want. Start taking, start picking up the rocks and don't bring plastic bottles. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Ellie, I appreciate you taking this deep dive with me today on these things. I, I always find this stuff really interesting to talk to someone who knows what they're doing about about this stuff that I find interesting and fascinating. I don't really have a use for it in my metatomics world necessarily, but there are things I, have, I speculate on, you know? And uh, I've seen so many cool little artifacts and relics, uh, you know, through the years. And, you know, some of them used kind of when take on source, a lot of Vatican archive stuff that I got to see. And, I'm, they, you know, they wow. say it's one thing and, you know, I'm like, well, I don't want to say the church is wrong you know so i'm just going to take their word for it that it is this old or it belonged to this person or it was that and you're wondering yeah. you know is there really a splinter of christ's cross that they have you know is yeah. the crown of thorns real you know is there yeah. genetic material of christ that they have preserved somewhere you know like yeah. there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there and every time you know articles like this are found you know i don't want i'm not one of those people like i'm not like the ark encounter guy in kentucky who's like the earth is six thousand years old and and dinosaurs <laughs> were around then maybe he's got the dinosaur yeah. like I, I appreciate what he did with his noah's ark display and what all that uh -huh. is about but you know i'm not exactly sure i can buy into the fact that these things we're finding are also 100 million years old so there's i'm trying to figure out where it all falls you know because yeah. i think you really split the public when you come up with these, these uh, people, and when science in general comes up with such big leaps, you know. Oh yeah. I when it could totally be agree. something more recent, it could be. Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I often wonder if science has an agenda. You know. That's Sometimes a, I other, do too. The other thing, but hey, <laughs> thanks for coming out today and doing this. Let's do this again soon. Hope you keep coming back and being a regular, and uh, we do this more often. Well, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Take care, Ellie. We'll talk soon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it. 
my interview with Ellie Ringo. She's always a lot of fun. I love having her on the show. Hope you enjoyed this podcast, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.